How are you guys doing today? Uh, you know, we prayed last week, and I just wanted to, uh, well, that was a tough, it's been a tough week, you know. We prayed for some, some urgent prayer requests, and uh, we prayed for uh, Lisa's mom, and she passed away on Monday, and then uh, we prayed for Cheryl's son, and he passed away on Monday as well. So, uh, and then some of the other things we prayed for are still ongoing, but, uh, you know, God is good, and, and His mercies are new every morning, and so we, we rely and we depend on His mercies in, in all the situations of life. So, if you'll open up with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1. We'll get back to the beginning here. You remember we talked about this being Paul's swan song. And he knew that his time was short. He knew that his departure, not his end, but his departure was at hand. He was, he was just moving location, right? He was leaving this world to be with the Father. Because Paul always believed and taught that to be absent from the body is to be what? present with the Lord, so he believed that, and, and so his departure was coming soon, but he wrote to Timothy this letter, and really to us, we still have it, and it's a word to us, these words, and so some of the things that he mentioned, one was to fight the good fight, that we need to fight to the very, very end, to the last bell, we never stop fighting. And we also need to finish the race and go to the finish line. It's interesting because after I left here on Sunday, I was going, man, you know what? I, I want to give up this fight. You know how uh, you feel that way sometimes? I thought, I'm just ready to stop, you know. I'm just ready to end. And I, you know, I just gave this message about these very things. And I'm going like, wow, I'm feeling the same. I'm feeling this right now. Like, this is what I want to do. But, you know, God is saying, no. Too early for that. Can't give up now. Can't quit now. You got to keep going. And that's really when your faith comes in, too, right? He says to keep the faith, and, and really what that means is to guard it, to watch over it, to hold on to it. And that's really kind of what we have our faith in God and what He's doing and who He is and what He has done for us already. Now, today, I want to talk to you about Timothy's faith. And some other things uh, as well, but, but really this idea in the, of Timothy's faith and what Paul saw and what others saw in the life of Timothy was an unfeigned faith. Some versions translate it that way. Some call it sincere faith. Uh, there's different ways, but this is a, is a good translation of this word, unfeigned. And what we mean by that is that it wasn't an act, it was sincere, it was without hypocrisy. Now the underlying, the underlying word was used of stage actors, because they would put on these crazy looking masks, and they'd be, they'd be behind these masks, and, and uh, they would put on this kind of act, this show. But here, in this word here, which we're going to find in verse 5, we'll get to that in a little bit, it, the negative is added. So he's saying we're not stage actors. The word actually, uh, 
uh, translates for us in English, hypocrites. So we are not hypocritical. We're not putting on a show. We're not putting on an act. Unfeigned, that's where we get, that's why the, the word unfeigned is, is uh, so clear and, and accurate. I don't know about you, but do you like it when people are just acting the part? I don't know. Probably not. But Jesus didn't like it either, you know. We'll talk about that later on. I think, as Paul said, to keep the faith, I think part of keeping the faith is to keep it real. To keep it real. So, but first, let's go back to the beginning, okay? Let's go back to... uh, chapter 1, verse 1, where Paul talks to Timothy. And the first thing he talks about there, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And I've been, of course, thinking about these different things. And we could, you know, talk the standard stuff. But, but when I look at these verses and when I think about what Paul was saying here, you have to, again, the context of who he was, he was radically changed by Jesus. He, he was a guy who once persecuted Christians, right? He had some put in jail. He had some actually martyred, killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. And now he's saying, I'm an apostle. I'm a sent one. The word literally means sent one of that same Jesus that he was persecuting people for. That's, that's kind of a big change, wouldn't you think? That's kind of a radical change that took place in his life. I don't think, when Paul says these words, I don't think that he was boasting. Listen, listen, I'm, I'm an apostle, and you better listen up. I don't think he was saying it like that. He says, by the will of God. God had you know, a plan and a purpose in Paul's life, and, and Paul was just saying, listen, I'm just trying to do what God's will is in my life. And that's a, that's a, that's a thing I think we should all strive for, right? I just want to do what God's will is in my life. I just want to know what God's will is in my life, and then I want to do what God's will is in my life. It's not enough just to know it. But I think about this, and I'm I'm, I'm thinking about Paul's life, and he's writing these words, right? He's saying, listen, I'm I'm an apostle. This is what God's called me in other places, and even in this passage, he talks about being a servant. But even though, again, we talked about this last week, he knew his life was coming to an end. He knew he was, he was just there, and he's still talking about the will of God. That he, this is who I am by the will of God. That's crazy, huh? But isn't, isn't even the time of our death, have, God has, has a hand in that as well? I, you know, I, I love uh, what it says in the Psalms, you know, that you know, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. So when, when God says, you know what, it's time for you to come home. Paul had thought about this earlier, as I mentioned, you know, I want to go home. And, they, and God said to him, no, you're not ready to go home yet. You still have some work to do to finish. And, and, but it appears now he sees, hey, this is it. I'm going now. And again, when we, when, if we knew exactly when that was going to happen, as Paul did at that particular point in time, what would, be, what would we be saying? What would we, we be doing? What would we be thinking? But to know God's will for one's life, how do you know that and, and then follow it? 
Well, we know it because, number one, the Word tells us what God's will is. And, and number two, we ask Him for specific help. God, I, I just want to be available to do Your will. What is Your will for my life? And I, and I believe, simply believe, that God will show you what His will is if you ask Him. If I ask Him, He will show me. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to see, you know, the writing up in the sky, like, you know, the airplane with the letters and all that stuff. Now, that'd be cool. Or maybe he could send us a text message, you know, or an email. But it it usually doesn't happen that way. I mean, if you have gotten a text message or email from God, let me know because I'd like to see that, (laughs) really. But he has a way. He knows each one of us so personally. He has a way of letting you know what he wants you to do to reveal his will to you. Again, he does it, number one, through his word, by his spirit, even through friends and family and and other brothers and sisters. But I think Paul, it was important to him. We're going to read a, a verse about that later. He says, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus... That was an interesting phrase, too, when you think about who, who, what he knows, that his life is almost over. But he says he's doing this according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. So he's not talking about just his temporal life, right, his physical life. He's talking about something much bigger. He's talking about eternal life. And really, that's what we kind of have to look to is, is what God has for us, eternal life. And it's a promise that he made for us. And it's found in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Looking again into verse 2, now Paul talks to Timothy. And he says there to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, this guy, he he knows his time is short, but he's writing to Timothy, and he calls him my dear son. Paul's like a father to him. Paul is like a father to him. The, you know, in our society, I think that these kinds of things are, are radically important for us because many of us have had situations where our father was not there for us, right? Some of you had, had a, a godly father that was there for you, but many of us did not, myself included, but Paul, he said he was a, he says, he called Timothy his dear son. There was a, a depth of relationship there that, that was very special, I think. But personally, I, as I was thinking about this, God has promised to be our father. And I can say, my father wasn't there, but I can say that from the time I gave my life to Jesus, that God has been a father to me. Number one, but number two, then God has also provided men in my life to be father-type figures. I always talk about Bill Kinnaman. He was one of those kinds of guys out here. But even back home in, in California before we ever came out here, there were, God would bring people into my life to help and be that kind of a figure, a godly dad kind of figure. God is so faithful. He knows what we need. He knows what you need. He knows, he knows us personally. Timothy, he was like a father to Timothy, and he gives him this blessing, grace, mercy, and peace. Jumping down to verse 3, it says, I thank God whom I serve, as my forefathers did, 
with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Now, as I looked at this verse, I began to think about Paul and kind of what his life was like. We're, talk, we're going to talk about Timothy and his faith. But Paul, what, what kind of a person? We see he was a, he, he was, he was, it was important to him about the will of God. He had this relationship with Timothy. He was like a father figure. But then in, in uh, verse 3, he says, I thank God whom I serve. There's something about Paul. He was like a, he was like a thankful person. A thankful person. Now, how many of you are thankful people? Honestly, don't raise your hands because you might make someone next to you feel bad. But to really to be a thankful person, I think there's, there's something about that. There's something that God wants to do in us because, you know, I, I, I can honestly say I'm not walking around thankful all the time. But Paul, we, we find that often. He has, this, he has this expression of being a thankful person. A thankful person. Now, need I remind you, where was Paul when he was writing these words? He was like in a dungeon with no, you know, no air coming in there in this wicked, bad, horrible place. And he's saying, I thank God whom I serve. That's different, huh? It's not the normal way. Not the natural way for sure, but I, I, have, I have to come up to this verse, right? 1 Thess Thessalonians 5, give thanks in when things go well. Give thanks when you get a raise. Give thanks when your health is perfect. But no, he says give thanks what? In all circumstances. We talked about the will of God. He says that's the will of God. That's the will of God for you and for me, to give thanks in all circumstances. And, and, and uh, whoa, that's a challenge, Paul. But Paul being like a father to Timothy, Timothy could see that in his life. He knew that in his life. As Paul, as we're going to talk about in a minute, Paul could see th things in Timothy's life well, Timothy could see things in Paul's life, and this is one of the things that he could see, that there was, this, there was this thankful thing happening within him. I don't know about you, but I want some of that. I want some of that. So if we're, we're, if we're these unthankful people, I think we need to say, God, I'm kind of unthankful, and I need you to help me to be more of a thankful person. And will he help us to do that? I think so. I, I believe so. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you. Another thing it says, he, he said that he had a clear conscience. I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience. With a clear conscience. Now, something important about this, we, we do kind of lift people up sometimes in the Bible and we, and we put them on these pedestals like, you know, they never did anything wrong. They were just like perfect. Well, was Paul like that? No, absolutely not. Paul, he was not perfect. He, he said in, in Romans chapter 7, you know, he said, the things that I want to do, what? I don't do. He says, the things that I don't want to do, guess what? I do them. But he said he had a clear conscience in, in his walk, in his service of God. So how did, he, how did he get that clear conscience if from time to time he stumbled and fell and like you and I all do? 
Well, we go back to the cross, right? That's where we clear our conscience. We go back and we confess and we repent and we ask the blood of Jesus to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the only way you and I are going to have a, a clear conscience on a regular basis if we keep those accounts short with God. Keep the accounts short. That we're not walking around with some kind of hidden sin. That we've, that we've gone to God with it. The next thing I noticed about Paul in this uh, section here is, is that he was praying. He said in... He says, as night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. He was like a prayer warrior for Timothy. And this was, this was over a long period of time. It wasn't like he said one prayer for Timothy, it was all done, right? Sometimes we think, well, I just got to say it once and pray it once and done. And if I, if I pray again, then, I, then I'm not, I've got no faith. Right? Have you heard that logic? That's like ridiculous logic. Because our, our needs are ongoing. Timothy's needs were ongoing. He knew Timothy. He knew all about Timothy. He knew him well. He knew his strengths. He knew his weaknesses. And, and yet Paul had taken it upon himself to pray for this guy, Timothy, on a regular, consistent basis. Here he's saying night and day. Well, he didn't have much else to do in the, you know, in the dungeon there. He wrote and he prayed. That's all he could do, right? I had a lady that prayed for me. She was like uh, an older gal in the neighborhood where I grew up. And, and you know, we... Uh, we were always getting in trouble. It was the trouble place over there. The police cars out in front of the house. I know that's hard to believe when you think about me. But, you know, the police cars were out in front of the house. But, but she was a godly Christian woman. Her name was Mrs. Crabtree. And she prayed for us. She prayed for us every day. She, she would tell us that. Because later on, of course, I didn't know this until later on I became a believer. And she said, I, you know, I pr we pray for you guys, her and her husband. They prayed for us every day. And, you know, it was powerful to me. I just knew that there was like this. Later, I knew there was this, somebody who was praying for me. And it was powerful. And then through the years, I know that there are people that have prayed for me on a regular, consistent basis. And I go, wow, there's, that's that is so powerful. That is helping me because I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't keep it up. Powerful. Mrs. Crabtree, she died. And I thought, man, now, now what am I going to do? She was like a pillar, right? A little, one of those foundational people in your life. And, and uh, you know, God raises up other people, but, but the truth of the matter is, it says in Hebrews uh, that Jesus is interceding for us. He's praying for us. And, and Jesus, he's going to pray for you forever. He's never going to stop. Now, Paul, again, Paul was in the same situation. He knew his time was short, and he wasn't going to be able to pray for Timothy like he had been doing. But while he was there, he was going to do it. While he was still alive, he was going to do it. I think there's such a powerful ministry of praying for people uh, that, that you and I, uh, you know, we may not be able to do much else. Maybe we can't sing. 
Maybe we can't get up in front of people. Maybe we're not an evangelist or, or, or all these different things. We can say, well, I can't do anything. Well, can you pray? I think you can pray. And to have, to have a short list, you know what? When we get these long lists, you know, guess what happens? They're gone. But, but if, you, if you can get like a short list of just a few people that you can pray for, a few family members, a few other people, and just pray for them whenever you think about them, I tell you what, things happen. Things happen. I'd love to tell you some stories, but I'm, I'm afraid that, that uh, some of the personal things that have happened with uh, the, some, of, some of the people that I've prayed for, you know, they might watch this video or something and see it and think that, oh, they, they're had. But you know what? God does things when you pray for people. It's amazing. It's amazing. Paul was praying for Timothy, and Jesus is praying for you and for me as well. Verse 4, he says, Recalling your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Recalling your tears. You say, tears? No. Men crying? Uh-uh. That's not right. Is it? Interesting, earlier in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul calls Timothy a man of God, right? And here he's saying, I remember your tears. I remember you were, able, you were, you were crying. We're not sure when that occurred, whether it was the last time they separated and he was just heartbroken. Timothy was heartbroken. He had to separate from this guy. But we've talked about this recently. Jesus wept, didn't he? Jesus wasn't afraid to cry. Paul, it says in many places in, in uh, the New Testament that Paul cried. Paul was there in this lonely prison and he, and he thought, and again, it was this relationship that we had. It's about relationships, really, isn't it? It's about people. I cried because my car broke down. No, I just pushed it in off the cliff. <laughs> you know, I, it's, it's about people, right? Where, where things that happen and we, we lose people we love. I think when my oldest brother passed away, I don't know, it hit me so hard. And I think I wept, I cried every single day for a whole year. Because was, it was just this relationship we had. I didn't even cry like that for my own mother. But for that, that brother and that, at that time, it was just radical. Don't be afraid. Joy comes in the morning. Tears may endure for the night, the, the Bible says, but joy comes in the morning. Sometimes I think, that, I think it's a release that, that happens. It's relief that happens when we just, are, we just allow it to, to come. Paul was lonely there. He missed Timothy. And Paul, you could see that he was thinking about himself too. He said that he would be filled with joy if Timothy would come and see him. And later in the book he says, do your best to come. Can you come? Can you, can you get here? Do your best to get here. And, but he was saying, you know what, I, I, I'm going to be joyful. 
It's going to make me happy to get together. That's honest. That's Paul being honest here, right? He wasn't putting on an act. He wasn't putting on a show. He was being sincere about the way he felt. When we put on this, you know, mask, we put on this thing to cover up what we might be feeling is what we're kind of getting now to verse 5 and what we're talking about sincerity and unfeigned faith. So let's bring it, bring it over to verse 5 where Paul says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, your unfeigned faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. She says, I've been reminded. He was thinking about Timothy. He's praying for him. He's writing to him. And he says, I've been reminded of your unfeigned faith. Just struck me, unfeigned faith, real, genuine, no hypocrisy. No pretending, not this play-acting thing. You know, we don't need any of that, okay? I've been to places where it looks like a big show. It's like a big circus almost. Like it's a big performance. And like, what is all that? No, I just want to get real. I just want to be real because I'm a real person and I want people to be real with me and, and I need to be real with them. You know, we should not be just playing the part. Paul thought of Timothy, and he knew Timothy very, very well. He, says, he said, I, I'm reminded of your unfeigned faith, your real, genuine, sincere faith. Not an act. He saw it. He saw it over years, too. This just wasn't a one-time thing. That's more like a performance when it's a one-time thing. You get up and you tell everybody how spiritual you are and all that. And then, and then what? And then you get down and you go somewhere and, you, and your life is completely different. That's hypocrisy. Jesus hated hypocrisy, by the way, right? You, you, you know the saying, well, I'm not going to go to church. Why? Because it's filled with hypocrites, right? Well, Jesus didn't you know, like hypocrisy either. He, you know, he talked to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they were like putting on a mask in a show. They had the robes, they did the things so that everybody could see how spiritual they were. And he said, you know what? Get away. Go away. Like, who, who, what are you doing here? He said, you're not helping anybody. And you're certainly not helping yourself. And he, and he used some pretty strong language. He said you were like whitewashed tombs, you know. You look good on the outside, all whitewashed, but inside you're full of these ugly dead men's bones, he said. Doesn't do anybody good, right? Made me think of that, uh, that ad campaign, you can't fake steak, Right? Some of you are hungry now. You're going to be thinking about steak the rest of this few minutes we have together. Well, you know, you can't fake faith either. You can try, but you can't fake it. It's going to come out in the end. Like, do you really, do you really have any faith? Don't pretend. Don't try to be something. Don't try to put on something that you don't have. Because the truth is, God sees it. God already knows it. I think we have 
we have some pretty good Christian masks that we put on, right? Oh, how's it going? Oh, praise the Lord. Really good. And your life's falling apart. Oh, okay. I'll pray for you. Let's be real. Unfeigned faith. When you say, well, what if my faith is weak? What if my faith is weak? What did Jesus say to the man whose boy was possessed by a spirit? Let's, let's look at it here in, on the screen in Mark chapter 9. He says, It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us, he says to Jesus. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. That's the promise. But immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. See, he wasn't trying to act, you know, okay, I'm just going to confess that. I'm going I'm to confess that really loud like a hundred times. And then, it, and then, you know, my faith. No, he says, I do believe, but, you know, I, I, I don't. I, you know, I, I have unbelief too and I need help. It's crying out to him, and, and the way he spoke to Jesus about this, if your faith is weak, we'll tell him about it like he doesn't know already anyways. He already knows. But I think for you and I to be honest with him and, and not be fake, and not to be fake and phony with each other, it's important. I saw Timothy's unfeigned faith. But what if I have no faith at all? It's kind of the same, really. We need to call out to God and, and ask Him for it. To turn to Him and, and put our heart's trust in Him. I'm impressed as well in this verse, uh, verse 5, with he, he talks about Timothy's sincere faith, his, Timothy's unfeigned faith. But then he goes to Timothy's influences, right? Notice that there? Timothy's influences. And, and uh, who is it here? Look at it. It's his, it's his grandparents and his parents, right? He says, I've been reminded of your unfeigned faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. He saw the real thing, you see, Timothy did. He saw the real faith, and, and, and before he had faith of his own, he saw it in his grandmother, and he saw it in his mother. See, people are watching, people are looking, and, and, and they had this, because Paul says the same thing. The same thing first lived, before it ever lived in Timothy, it lived in the grandmother, it lived in the mother. And notice that the, the word actually means to like occupy a house, to live within. So it's got the word for house in it. They were not people who had a mask and, and were acting. It was something within them. In some ways, that's actually harder, isn't it? Because these were the people who were very close to Timothy, Right? So it's kind of actually harder. Well, in some ways it's easier, in some ways it's harder. It's harder to be 
to be a good example, but sometimes it's easier for them to see the real you because they see the real you, right? They see when you blow up or when you, you know, get down or whatever it happens in that we all do. But there was something real that Timothy saw in them that people see in us. Timothy could see if their faith was real. You know, if I'm here in church and I'm saying, oh, you know, praise God and, and lifting my hands to sing and doing all these things, and then I go home and it's not like even there at all, well, there's, then I'm putting on the act over here, but there's no real sincere, unfeigned faith over there. It's, it's inconsistent, right? And people you live with can see that. I hate to tell you that, but, it, you know, you, we, it's just reality, facts, right? My wife can see what I'm really like. And she's just amazed. <laughs> Come on, let's lighten up a little bit here. My wife can see what I'm really like. And she helps me sometimes. But I can also see what she's really like. And I have to help her sometimes too. My kids can see what I'm really like. Am I the same at church as I am at home? As I, am, I, am I the same when I go to work, your, your co-workers? Am I the same over there as I am over here? You know, it's this consistency in our lives that I think is, is important. Don't try to pretend to be something that you're not, but be real about who you are. What do people who are close to you and me see that's a kind of a tough question. But the last part of the verse there, and we'll, we'll finish with that, Paul says, I am persuaded, I am persuaded, he was convinced that that unfeigned faith now lives in you also. It was in them first. It was in his grandmother, it was in his mother but he says, Paul says, but now I see it, it's in you now. It's in you. It's, a, it's something that's internal. It's taken up residence there. You say, well, was it genetic? It just kind of went genetic, right? Is that how it happened? Grandmother and then mother and, you know. I hear people talk like that sometimes. Well, you know, uh, are you a believer? Yeah, I've always been a believer. I was born a believer. Really? Like, how did that, that, that makes it genetic. But that's not what the Bible says. No, we're not genetically born again. We're born again by having faith and trust in Jesus Christ for ourselves. You see, at some point, Timothy saw it in his grandmother, he saw it in his mother, but at some point, Timothy had to make it his own. I think there's a time when kids, you know, they, they're kind of along with us on, if we're believers. They're kind of along with us on the journey. But there comes a time, and I saw it in my own kids, there comes a time when they have to make that call, that decision for themselves. Yes, okay, I'm going to make, this is my own now. I want it for me. I'm not just here because my parents are here. I'm, I don't trust in God just because they do, though they are a big influence but now I need it for me. I want it for me. Unfeigned faith of my very own in me. 
Not my friend, not my co-worker, not somebody at the church, but for me. It's got to be in me, you see. There's a verse, and I referred to it uh, recently in, in 2 Timothy, or excuse me, uh, in uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, where he says, you know, test yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith, he said. He says, test yourselves. And, and the, the, uh, the answer he gives in that verse to the test, how do you know if you pass the test? He says, because Christ is in you. There's something inside of you, and it's Jesus himself. It's trusting in him. It's faith in him that is living inside of me. It's not something I do on the outside where I, I check off, I read the Bible, I check off, I went to church, I check off, I gave the money, I check off, I did the good works, I check off, I said my prayers. No, it's something inside of me. Jesus in me. Christ in you, the hope of glory. My faith in him, is, it's inside of me. And that is where he works, right? That's where, that's where all this stuff happens. It's inside of me. And then it kind of like works its way out. It's no good to try to do it the other way around, folks. It doesn't work. You do all the works and they're all on the outside, but inside is nothing happening there. It doesn't work that way. It always works from the inside out. And then, he, and then it kind of works out to the, to the things we do and the way we live. That's, that's way, the way the, I believe the Bible teaches. Unfeigned faith of our very own. Radical. It's radical. Paul says, I have kept the faith. And here in the very beginning of the book, he says, you know, Timothy, I see some faith in you. I see this, this reality of faith in your life. Was it perfect? No. Was Timothy, you know, again, we can lift him up. He was this radical man of God. Well, he was in, in one sense, but Timothy, like, had all kinds of issues. I'm sorry. We'll talk some about that. You know, he was afraid. He was fearful. And I think he had irritable bowel syndrome or something like that. Because he says, you know, Paul says, take something for that stomach issue you got. And he was afraid of people, and he was afraid to get up and do things, and he was afraid they looked down on him because he was, wasn't as old as some. Although he wasn't, like, really that young. He wasn't, like, a teenager or anything. He had lots of issues. But at the very heart of who he was, he had a faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's an example for you and for me. And that's an example for you and me to just be in reality, just to be real with who we are. If you need help, call out to God for help. If you need faith just to get started on this path, this journey of, of faith, call out and ask him. Said, and that's what I did. I said, I really don't know for sure if what these guys are telling me is true or not, but I really don't have much to lose. My life was not going anywhere. I, I, I was pretty messed up. Oh, I was functioning and everything, but I, I was lost. I was lost. I said, if, they're, if what they're saying is true, then okay, I'll give you a chance in my life. And then I found out he just given me a chance. But, you know, that's all I knew. I'll give you a chance. I'll let you in my life. I'll, 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 I'll ask you into my life and see what happens. Don't do that unless you want something to happen, though. 
because something will happen. I guarantee you, because that's what he says. If you sincerely ask him in, he will come in and he will, he will work in your life and you'll be given brand new life, born again. That's what we call it. And, and he's worked in me and he's still got a lot of work to do. I hate to say it, but he does. And he's still working. And that's why Paul said in, Timothy, in Philippians, you know, that he who began a good work in you will complete it, bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. So he knows that you need a lot of things happening, that I need a lot of work still, but he's going to keep working in us, in us, until that day. Because he's faithful. He's faithful. Let's pray, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we are just human, frail, but yet you've done a work in, in us if we have asked you in. And maybe our faith is strong, but maybe our faith is weak, or maybe we kind of go up and down. I, we probably, most of us do. But Lord, uh, to, to have people see that in me, that there's an unfeigned faith, there's just a simple trust, a simple trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord of my life, that people can see that. Not perfection, because I'm not there. None of us are. But a, an unhypocritical faith, a real, a genuine faith. Father, let that message uh, speak to each one of us as we, as we go on our lives, as we go, as we live with our families, as we live with our, our co-workers. Help us, Lord. We believe. Help our unbelief. I pray for any here this morning, too, that, that are, that's kind of looking into this journey of, of faith. And, and maybe you have no faith, but God will give it to you. You reach out to him, he will reach out to you, and he will come into your life and do a radical change, a radical work for the good. Don't be afraid of it. Father, uh, again, uh, for those that maybe need to call out to you today, I would pray along with them and say, Jesus, please, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I, I believe that you died on the cross for me, my sin. I believe you rose from the dead, conquering death for me. And I ask you into my life. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day you've given us, Lord. Watch over us, protect us, keep us in Jesus' name. Amen.